Well, good morning and welcome to our service this morning. It's good to be able to come together and to, to worship God. And we welcome those that are with us, not just here in the church, but those that are joining us online. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence this morning. That Heavenly Father, that as a body of your people we can gather. Not just here, Heavenly Father, in the church, but in our own homes. And we can come and we can bow before you and that we can acknowledge that you are indeed our sovereign Lord. And unto you, Heavenly Father, we must give all glory, honour and praise. For Heavenly Father, you created each one of us. You created us in your image and in your likeness. And Heavenly Father, even when we fell from you, you sent us your Son. You sent us your Son as the Saviour of the world. And Heavenly Father, through his death and through his resurrection as we celebrated last week, that our sins can be washed away and we can enter into your presence. And we can come with our prayers before you, knowing that our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ intercedes on behalf of each one of us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that each one of us would know that this morning, that we are not alone, that you have promised to be with us even unto the end. And Heavenly Father, as we come and as we pray these words, our thoughts are indeed with those that mourn this morning. And we think of the royal family, Heavenly Father, particularly the Queen, as they mourn so much the loss of a loved husband, father, grandfather and great-grandfather. One that has been in the public eye so much. One that devoted so much not only to his wife and to his family, but to this country. And Heavenly Father, as the family gather and as they mourn this week, and as they look forward to a funeral on Saturday, we pray, Heavenly Father, that they would know that you are a God of refuge and a God of strength, that even though the world may be removed, that, Heavenly Father, you are indeed the rock that each one of us can stand upon. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, you have promised that you are with us, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. So as they mourn this week and as many pray for them, Heavenly Father, we pray most importantly that they would know you as the Good Shepherd that guides them and directs them at this time. No matter what storms or troubles they may be going through, no matter what doubts or fears they may have at this time as to what the future holds, and Heavenly Father, that you have given us that promise, that you are with us if we trust in you. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for families here that we know in these past months have mourned the loss of loved ones, that they would know that nearness, Heavenly Father, that comes only from being drawn close to you, and that, Heavenly Father, that they would know your comfort, that they would know your guidance, your direction. As difficult as it can be, Heavenly Father, to lose a loved one, you have given us your promise that you have a plan and you have a purpose and you are working your plan and your purpose out as year succeeds to year. We do not know, Heavenly Father, what it is that you are moulding and shaping us for. But, Heavenly Father, we pray that we would indeed trust in you. Trust in you and not be afraid. Trust in you, Heavenly Father, and not turn back. Trust in you and fix our eyes upon you. For you are indeed the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray, Heavenly Father, for those that are going through sickness at this time. Pray in particular for our member here, Ian Davidson. We pray for your hand to be upon him and to be upon Shona. And Heavenly Father, that they would know your hand stayed upon them at this time as they seek guidance and direction for the way forward for Ian's illness. And we pray most of all, Heavenly Father, that Ian would know you, that he would know you as Lord and as Saviour. And as Heavenly Father, we heard so clearly last Sunday that in knowing you that we would testify for you. And Heavenly Father, that we would indeed know truly through our testification of you 
that Heavenly Father, that each one of us knows and loves you as Lord and as Saviour, that we do not hide our light under a bushel, but Heavenly Father, that we put that light on a lampstand and be a living witness to those round about us, that we may be an encouragement, that Heavenly Father, that we may be a beacon for you, not seeking any glory for ourselves, but Heavenly Father, that we would fulfill that catechism that so many of us learnt as young ones, that our chief end is to glorify you and enjoy you forever. So as we come into your presence this morning, Heavenly Father, may we know that we are in your presence. And as the angels veiled their faces and as they cried, Holy, 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 that Heavenly Father, that each one of us would indeed recognize that you are holy. You have taken us to this place this morning. Yes, we may have got a phone call, we may have got an email asking us to come. But Heavenly Father, it is you that has guided and directed these things at this time. And for each one of us, those, Heavenly Father, that come as members, those that come as adherents, those that preach, those that pray and sing, each one of us comes, Heavenly Father, to hear what you have to say to us. You have given us your word to guide us, to direct us on how we may glorify and enjoy you forever. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as your word is opened, that we would indeed open our ears. And Heavenly Father, that we would listen to what you have to say to us, that our hearts would indeed be stirred. And that, Heavenly Father, that we would recognize that if we do not know you as Lord and as Savior this morning, that even now you stand at the door of our hearts and knock. And that, Heavenly Father, we pray that those that have not opened their heart's door to you yet would not leave this place without considering their walk with you, their need of you as a Savior, that they would know the blessing of walking with you each and every day. So guide us as we gather, and may we know your hand upon us, your hand upon us for good. In Jesus' precious name, as we ask all these things with forgiveness of our many sins and our many shortcomings. Amen. And we'll just pray before you go through to Sunday school. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the young ones that we are blessed to have within our congregation. Each and every one of them, Heavenly Father, precious to you. And our prayer for them is that as they grow, that they would indeed remember their Creator in the days of their youth. That, Heavenly Father, that they would grow in wisdom, that they would grow closer to you, And Heavenly Father, that as they have that wisdom that comes from you, that they would indeed choose friends that will help them to walk close with you each and every day. We pray for them, Heavenly Father, and pray for teachers as they go back to school tomorrow. That after this time of restrictions and this time of being in and out of school, that Heavenly Father, that they may get back to learning, back with their friends, and back, Heavenly Father, to some kind of normality. But our greatest prayer for them is, Heavenly Father, that they would know and love you and that they would walk close with you for each and every day of their life. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we come now, we're going to read in John, the book of John, John chapter 20, and we'll read the whole of the chapter on the resurrection of Jesus. John chapter 20, and we'll read from verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, 
and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and saw two angels in white, sitting where the Lord, where the body of Jesus had laid, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my side, and put out your hand and put it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Let us pray once again before we turn to God's word. Our gracious and our blessed Lord, we thank you that we can come into your presence once again. And as we come and as we open up our hearts to you, we pray, Heavenly Father, that each one of us would open our ears, that we would be able to lay aside the many things that so often cloud our minds, worrying about what this week may bring to us, worrying about what the next day may be to us, or how our health may fare. As your word teaches us, Heavenly Father, that we should not worry about tomorrow, for our life is but a mist. So for this time, Heavenly Father, may we focus on you, what your word says to us, and what you are teaching to us, 
And Heavenly Father, how you are calling each one of us to you. We pray, Heavenly Father, for your guidance as we break down your word, that nothing would be said amiss. And Heavenly Father, that the efforts that we make to break down and understand your word, that you would indeed use and that you would bring to glory for yourself. And Heavenly Father, that your word will achieve all that you have predestined for it to do. For we know that you have given us a promise that your word will not return unto you void. So bless us as we gather this morning. Teach us, each one of us, that we may learn more of you. But most of all, Heavenly Father, that if we do not walk with you at this time, that you would draw us closer to you, that we would indeed be able to cry out like Thomas, my Lord and my God. And Heavenly Father, that having heard, that we would indeed believe. So guide us now, we pray thee, and forgive us for our sins and our shortcomings. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Last week, and I would certainly encourage you if you haven't had the chance to listen to last week's service, to listen to it as David broke down to us, Luke chapter 8, the disciples in the storm, the healing of the demon-possessed man, the healing of the woman with the issue of blood, and the raising of Jairus' daughter, how in each and every occasion he was able to show us how it pointed to the storm that Jesus would go through on Calvary, how he would defeat Satan on the cross, how through the shedding of his blood there would be cleansing for our sins, and how through the raising of Jairus' daughter we saw a foretaste of the resurrection of Jesus. As we come this morning and think on the chapter that we've read, which outlines some of the things that happened when they found the tomb empty, and then in Jesus appearing to the disciples following his resurrection. We see the disciples running to the tomb, finding the tomb empty, and then the disciples move on. And Mary is left weeping, wondering what they have done with her Lord. And just a comment on that before we move on to the main thrust of the sermon this morning, looking at Jesus' interaction with the disciples. Mary was there and she met with Jesus. Everyone else had deserted, but Mary was there. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet received, ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. Despite having been deserted by the disciples, Jesus still refers to them as brethren. And Matthew Henry comments, Though Christ be high, yet he is not haughty. Notwithstanding his elevation, he descends not to disown, not to own his poor relations. He then makes this comment on Mary, who had been given the message to take to the disciples. Mary Magdalene was the one out of whom had been cast seven devils, yet now thus favoured. This was her reward for her constancy in adhering to Christ and inquiring after him, and a tacit rebuke to the apostles, who had not been so close as she was in attending on the dying Lord, nor so early as she was in meeting the rising Jesus. She becomes an apostle to the apostles. And Warren Wearsby comments similarly, Mary's meeting with Christ made her a missionary. How close are each one of us, looking for Christ, waiting for Christ, desiring to be used by Christ. Mary was there, and she was used. As it said there, she was an apostle to the apostles and took that message to them. So Mary, having been commanded to go to the disciples, she went and she shared the message with them. And we find on the evening of the first day, 
The same day as they had found the empty tomb, Jesus went to them. He didn't leave them on their own. He went to them. We read that the door was locked. The disciples were inside. They were in fear of the Jews. The rumour had started to circulate that the disciples had stolen the body of Jesus. Instead of running in fear, they came together. Had they not been together, we may never have heard or read John's account of what had happened. The doors were locked and Jesus came and stood amongst them. There's much written in commentaries about how this came about, different interpretations of what may have happened. But what John tells us here, what he's been inspired to write, is what we have. The doors were locked and Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus greeted them. What must that have been like as he sat there in fear, fear for their safety, and suddenly Jesus is in the room with them? We don't read of there being disorder or that they were taken with fright, and Jesus speaks to them and reassures them. The only thing I could think of was if you remember as children, you might have been sitting watching television, playing a game, and all of a sudden the power goes out and you're cast in to utter darkness within the house. That initial fear as your heart starts pumping, thinking what's happened. And then you hear the reassuring voice of your mother or your father saying, don't worry, it's only a power cut, I'll get the candles. Hearing somebody else's voice reassuring you that all is not lost, that things are going to return to normal. The disciples were sitting there in fear and Jesus spoke to them, peace be with you. Any fear that they had would have gone as they saw Jesus. And as we read, when he then showed them his hands and his side, they were glad. The fear turned to gladness. There's no record in the story that we have here, or in the account that we have here, of them sitting, chatting, and asking questions about what had happened. Verse 21 tells us, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus had been sent into the world. He was now sending the disciples out into the world. He had come to save lost sinners. He was sending them out with a message of salvation. He had breathed on them, we read here. And again, what does that mean to us when he says here, he breathed on them? And again, looking to the commentaries, Matthew Henry comments, Christ here seems to refer to the creation of of man at first by the breathing of life into him, as given in Genesis 2-7, and to intimate that he himself was the author of that work and that the spiritual life and strength of ministers and Christians are derived from him and depend on him as much as the natural life of Adam and his seed. As the breath of the Almighty gave life to a man and began the old world, so the breath of the mighty Saviour gave life to his ministers and began a new world. The very breath of Jesus breathing new life into those that he was sending out. What a blessing it was for them to be there receiving that from Jesus. The fear that had been about them earlier in the evening had gone and Jesus was now blessing them and sending them out. This passage recorded elsewhere in scripture is often referred to as the Great Commission where we hear of go ye into all the world 
and make disciples. And that same commission is given to each and every believer today. We're called to be living witnesses in this world and to go and make disciples. What we must remember is that while this is a commission to go, it's also a co-mission. We're not on our own. Jesus said to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The memory verse that the children had a couple of weeks ago in Sunday school was from Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. No matter where you are going, no matter what you face, Jesus came to his disciples and he gave them a blessing. And they received that blessing because they were there together. And I should have said that that was the first point that I was going to cover. But it was a blessing received, which takes us to the second point, which is a blessing doubted. As we go on and we read, Thomas was not with them at the time of Jesus' appearing. For whatever reason, Thomas hadn't been with the disciples. Had he not been there because of fear? Was he angry? Was he disappointed? We know that Thomas is referred to as the doubter. He often asked the questions that nobody else wanted to ask. We're not told why he's not there. Or all we're told is that he wasn't with them. The question might be, did he miss out on the blessing that the others received? And some commentaries speak of and refer back to the passage in Numbers eleven twenty-six, when the 70 that had been selected by Moses went out outside the camp and received a blessing. Two remained inside, Eldad and Medad, and yet they received the blessing in the camp and carried on prophesying. And it said, probably he breathed upon them all together, not just upon each severally. And though Thomas was not with them, yet the Spirit of the Lord knew where to find him, as he did Eldad and Medad. So although Thomas wasn't with the disciples, he may have been aware of the blessing. We don't read, we don't have an account that Thomas felt a stirring within him at the same time as Jesus breathed on the disciples. He may well have done. How many of us have felt a stirring or a moving within us whether it be due to pray to somebody, write a letter to someone, or phone someone, and we often just discount it, that it maybe isn't coming from the Lord. We don't know. What we do know is that Thomas would not believe the report he received from the disciples. He doubted. He wanted proof for himself. There's nothing worse than missing out on something and then having to listen to your friends tell you just how amazing and how awesome it may have been. Somebody comes and tells you a story that's almost too good to be true. That's the very words that you'll use. I don't believe you. It sounds too good to be true. There's no way that happened. When Thomas met the disciples, the disciples must have been absolutely beaming. They had seen Jesus risen. They had proof for themselves. We have seen the Lord. They testify. Can those of us that are here as Christians this morning say that we continue to have that burning within our hearts, that we have seen Jesus The disciples went out and they sought Thomas and they testified to Thomas what they had seen. Are we testifying that message still today with those that we come into contact with? Thomas was one of their own. He hadn't been there. He hadn't seen what had happened. But they sought him out and they shared the message. Who do we need to go and share that message with? Who do we need to seek out that is close to us and share that message? 
Thomas doubted the validity of the message. He wanted proof for himself. If you're not a Christian here today, you may well be in the same position as Thomas. You want to know that blessing for yourself. You want proof. Thomas had been there with Jesus throughout his ministry. He had heard the message preached about the death and resurrection. We have the account in John 14 where where Thomas sought clarity and asked Jesus a question. We can just read there in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. How often have you heard the gospel proclaimed? How often have you walked away thinking, I still don't believe? Or how often have you been sitting under the preaching of the gospel and your heart has been stirred and you felt good? You've recognised that you need a saviour, but then you walk out the door and life hits you and you forget everything that you have heard. Don't leave today. If you don't know Jesus as your saviour, Don't continue to doubt the blessing that is available to each and every one of us if we call upon Jesus. As we read there, he has gone before us to prepare a place. He's coming back. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Are we going to walk in his way? Are we going to accept him as the truth? And are we going to have eternal life through him? Don't continue to doubt the blessing. And then we see the blessing believed. He didn't have to wait too long. If his fear had kept him from the first gathering, it's possibly fear of missing out that kept him from missing the second meeting. I'd heard people talking about FOMO. So as, like anybody else, I googled it to find out that fear of missing out is a recognised anxiety. And it says it's an anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere. It goes on to say that um, often aroused by posts seen on social media. There's no social media in the time of the disciples. But Thomas had heard that Jesus had appeared to the disciples. He was going to make sure that he wasn't going to miss out a second time. While I was Googling fear of missing out, there was also um, recommendations, it's probably the best way of putting it, as to how we overcome fear of missing out. A top 10 list of what we could do Number seven on the list, spend more time with the people that matter most. There's a whole lot of things up above about switching your phones off, not having notifications on your phone. But number seven, spend more time with the people that matter most. For whatever reason, Thomas hadn't been with the disciples the first time. He recognised that he needed to be with the disciples thereafter if he was going to receive a blessing. And as I say, he didn't have to wait too long. As we read eight days later, now again reading and counting principles in um, biblical times, apparently when you were counting, you counted the day that you were in. So eight days out would have been the following Sunday. And if we go by the Easter calendar, that would have been the equivalent of today. You're here today. 
God's word has been opened. God's word has been preached. Thomas doubted the blessing. He came with the disciples when Jesus appeared to them the second time. Eight days later. Are you going to listen to God's word being read? Recognize that it's read for you. That it applies to you. Applies to each and every one of us. And are you going to believe the blessing? Thomas was shown the hands of Jesus. He was asked to put his fingers into the print of the nails. doesn't tell us that he did it, but as soon as he saw the hands of Jesus, he testified, my Lord and my God. He had seen with his own eyes. Now it's absolutely true. Each and every one of us needs to have a personal relationship and a personal experience with Jesus. Thomas couldn't go just on what he had heard from the disciples. He had to have that personal experience himself. And each and every one of us that are gathered here this morning, whether it be in the church or be in our own homes, needs that personal experience with Jesus. Jesus came and he died on a cross for us. His hands were pierced. His side was pierced for our sins. Thomas recognized that in the resurrection body of Jesus and cried out, my Lord and my God. Are you going to cry that out this morning? We read that on both occasions, the disciples were gathered. The door was locked, but Jesus came in and stood in their midst. They were the disciples of Jesus. He had called them before. He was going to make them fishers of men. They had answered that call and he came in and met with them. Brings us to our final point, the blessing that is offered. The blessing that the disciples received is offered to each and every one of us. The doors were locked on the two occasions that Jesus met with the disciples. But scripture teaches us that Jesus stands at our heart's door. In Revelation 3 and 20 it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. He didn't have to knock on the door. He didn't have to unlock the door where the disciples were because they were already his. In times gone past, house doors would have been left unlocked. Neighbours would have gone from door to door, put their head in the door, hello, it's me, and they would go in. But if they were strangers, they would knock the door and wait until they were asked in. Is Jesus a stranger to you? Is he knocking on your heart's door? Are you going to open your heart's door to Jesus? The disciples were blessed in coming together and Jesus being amongst them. That blessing is offered to each and every one of us gathered here this morning. As I say, either within the church or on television, are you going to open your door and let Jesus come in and be your friend? Your friend that sticks closer than a brother. Your friend that has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. My prayer is that you will answer that call. That you won't leave here this morning without considering where you are with Jesus. And having opened your heart's door, as we were encouraged last week, then let us testify. As the disciples went out and testified of their meeting with Jesus, let us go out and testify that we have seen the Lord and that he is our saviour. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have indeed blessed us with your Son. We pray, Heavenly Father, that if our hearts are closed to him this day, that our ears would be open to his knocking, and that, Heavenly Father, that we would open our hearts, and that we would know what it is to have fellowship, that we would know what it is to have blessing, that we would know what it is to cry out, my Lord and my God. Guide us this morning. Forgive us, we pray thee, for our sins of thought, word, and deed. In Jesus' precious name.
Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless before the presence of his glory and with great joy, to the only God and our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority, now and forevermore. Amen.